One man served God in his generation, and we are all the better for it. Amen? And we worship God in a place here in Sanford, Florida, that when Martin Luther King gave that speech, this was not an integrated community. This was a segregated community. And look what the Lord has done. I am so grateful that I get to serve you on this this Martin Luther King weekend, and I pray that you and your family have a great, great time. Hey, a couple things. Next Sunday, next Sunday, there we go, all the lights. Everyone say, let there be light. All right, we got the light. The next Sunday is Awakening Sunday and the conclusion of our Daniel fast. Yeah. Okay, so some of you are still doing it. I don't want to raise hands this time. <laughs> I hear the Daniel plan class is going really well on Wednesday night. So many things happening here. And uh, so grateful to the Lord for all that he's doing here at City Church. Have your Bibles. We're going to look at two passages of the Scripture this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 24. And uh, Matthew chapter 23, verse 11. Matthew chapter 23, verse 11. Uh, can you go ahead and stay with me for the reading of God's Word? 1 Samuel chapter 12, beginning with verse number 24. Samuel is talking to the children of Israel. And they have drifted from God. They've drifted from their purpose. They've drifted from their calling. Uh, they were created by God. God, God chose them. They, they've had an incredible history. And, and they come to this point in their history as a nation and as a people where, where they're far from God. And they're living for themselves. They're doing what they feel like they need to do. And, and it's not God's purpose for their life. God always has a voice, someone who will stand and call the people back to him. And Samuel was that man. The people had asked for a king, and the Bible says that they were to have no other king but Yahweh or but God. The people had asked for a king. The fact is, there's something about the human nature that wants someone else to be better, to be superior. I mean, there's just something in us. There's there's this whole culture in America called the culture of celebrity and how we idolize people. I mean, today it's amazing the people that get idolized in our culture, the people that make zillions of dollars for doing crazy things. But there's something in our culture that wants that. And the children of Israel were no different. They wanted a king that would lead them and someone that they could look to as some kind of example or some kind of person that they could venerate. The Bible says this, that Samuel said these words to the people. Samuel says these words to the people. Listen, you've sinned in the past. You've sinned in the past. Well, listen, let's get this thing back on track. And I want you to read verse number 24 with me this morning. Be sure, now he's telling them, be sure to fear the Lord and serve Him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things He has done for you. Be sure to fear the Lord. Put God first. Serve Him faithfully with all your heart. Because consider what great things He's done for you. Now I want you to turn over to the New Testament. Matthew chapter 23, verse number 11. The words of Jesus. They're so simple. Matthew chapter 23, verse number 11. Jesus said, The greatest among you will be your servant. The greatest among you will be your servant. Today is Serve Sunday. The title of my message is Serve Sunday. I have one big idea that I want you to hear this morning. Those who serve others grow spiritually. Those who serve others grow spiritually. Let us pray. Father, in these next few moments, I thank you for your grace. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your presence that has been here during our experience of worship already. Now I pray, Lord, that you'll speak to our hearts. 
Give us spiritual ears to hear. Not just my words, but your words. And give me a mouth to speak. Let the words that I speak, your words today, in your wonderful and your mighty name. Amen. Everyone may be seated. Psychiatrists have discovered that four out of four people are selfish. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? You know, there's something within us, in all of us, we're looking for, you know, we're self-preservation. We have to. We've got to take care of ourselves. We've got to take care of our family. But there's a human tendency. It happened a long, long time ago. Eve was deceived, but Adam willfully chose to rebel against God. And when he did that, he was basically saying, I want to serve myself. And people give all kinds of reasons why they can't be involved, why they can't serve, why they can't do whatever. There's all kinds of reasons. And, you know, I've been around church for a long time, and I've seen this. And sometimes new people come into the church. Maybe you're new to the faith. You're just discovering who you are in Christ. And this is a new journey for you. Sometimes you just don't know who you are. You don't know your spiritual giftings. You don't know how God's hardwired you. You're still in this discovery process. And I remember when I was a brand new Christian. I was 21 years of age. I went to my pastor. I said, Pastor, I'll do anything. I'll serve anywhere. I'll, I'll sweep the sidewalks of the church. I remember my pastor had this confound look on his face because he didn't have anything for me to do. I mean, he literally, and I'm thinking, well, I'm thinking, today I'm looking back and then I'm thinking, boy, that's not a problem around here at City Church. <laughs> we got plenty of things for people to do. I mean, today people have been here, I mean, since early this morning. They were here last night setting up, and, and people have been serving and working so that we could have this experience that we call worship service today. But people have lots of excuses and reasons. And uh, what I've also experienced and seen is that sometimes people just feel like they're too busy. You know, we work all week, and I get that. People work. We all work hard. We're working, if we're, you know, and we're trying to get the kids to school and to run here and run there. And, and, you know, we got this little tiny thing called the weekend. I've met so many people, you know, because the priority is about preserving me. And they're looking, because everyone is looking to be happy. Everyone is looking for fulfillment. The fact is you will never find it until you're serving and giving back to others. It's a fact. It's a fact. I love what Andy Stanley says. Andy Stanley says something like this. You're too busy. You're too busy to serve. Too busy to serve at your local church. FYI, every Sunday you attend your local church, you are served by very busy people. Get involved. Every week, every time you come, every time you walk on this campus, every time, there are people who are also busy, who are also serving. See, today God has called every one of us, God called every one of us to fulfill a mission and a purpose. See, we, we started this church. We had a slogan and this process of next steps and how we do church. It happened all the way back in the very beginning. Because I believe God called me to do two things. I believe God called me to reach lost people for Him and then to raise Him up and to be disciples or followers of Jesus. The very beginning of our church, we had a slogan. We used to say it all the time. It goes like this. Every member is a minister. Every member is... You can put that on the screen. Every member is a minister. Every person here is a minister. You've been wired, hardwired by God. You have giftings and abilities and talents that He's placed in you. Every person who's part of God's kingdom is a minister. It's your highest and calling in your life is to minister to God and to His people. 
So why should we serve? Everybody's a member? Or maybe I should say it like this. What are some of the benefits of serving? What are some of the benefits of serving in our life? Well, the first thing is, when we serve, we fulfill our purpose for which we're created. Ephesians chapter 2 says it like this. We are His workmanship. The New Living Translation says, We are His masterpiece. We're created by God. We're made by God. We're not an accident. We didn't happen over random chance over zillions of years, coming out of some kind of little cell, tadpole thing, crawling out of the ground, and over billions of years, popping up, and all of a sudden we have the thing called humanity. No, 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 no. God in the beginning made us with a plan. He said he, we're created in Christ Jesus for good works. You have been created for good works. To do good. To give back. To serve in your generation. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The happiest people on the planet. The happiest people on the planet are people who are giving back and serving because they want to fulfill their mission in life. I mean, it's never easy. I mean, there's all these studies today. There's a great movie. I hardly ever recommend movies here, but there's a great movie on Netflix, and it's called The Happy Movie. It's a 75-minute movie, and it talks about the psychology of happiness and how people truly find happiness. And it's amazing. It is amazing. There are so many studies. You can Google this, how people find happiness. It's, the, the, the reality today is that when people start to serve and help other people, they become healthier. They become healthier emotionally. They become healthier relationally. You know what's happening? Because they're getting into community. They're getting into community, and then things start to take place. I read this one psychologist. He was trying to find the happy gene. That's actually what he's looking for, the happy gene. And he said, as I begin to study this, I begin to realize there are certain common denominators among people that are happy. He said, I set out to practice these in my life. He said, I set out to practice these in my life. He said, the first thing that he did, he said, you know, he used to kind of handshake people. He's a psychologist. He teaches at Claremont uh, University in California. He's one of the chair, one of the, the deans, or one of the professors or, uh, over uh, the chair of psychology. And he said, I started giving people hugs. I'd give him hugs. And then, he said, I started to focus on that individual and just really intentionally ask them, you know, based on their expression, how they were doing. They weren't happy or they weren't doing well. I'd say, well, what's going on? He said, and the third thing, the third thing that I did is I told them that I loved them. He said, when I did that, my whole life started to change. And then he said, in the last year, I've added one last thing. He said, I'm in your service. In your service. He said, when they departed, I would say, in your service. I'm in your service. He said, my relationships just escalated. What is happening? He's fulfilling his purpose. He's understanding that the real sense of purpose and meaning and significance comes when we give back to other people. The second reason, the second reason, or the second benefit of serving other people is that we grow spiritually. We grow spiritually. Look at this verse in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 16. For whom the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each one does its work. We grow. We grow spiritually. It's impossible for you to grow spiritually without serving. It just what, what happened, The natural tendency for all of us is to drift. The natural tendency for all of us is, is this whole concept of, you know, I've got to wait, I've got this happening and that happening. But the moment we start, even in small ways, 
taking that step to give back, spiritually we begin to grow because we're becoming dependent on Jesus. We're becoming dependent on the Lord. We need Him. We need His grace. We need His strength. And when you start stretching yourself spiritually, that's when God's grace is available. You know, there's this picture in the Bible. It's the, it's the Red Sea and the Dead Sea. The Red Sea and the Dead Sea. And there's this picture. There's this Jordan River. And the Red Sea flows down. The Jordan River flows down into the Dead Sea. There is nothing alive in the Dead Sea. It's dead. It's a, it's a salt ocean. It's a salt body of water. There's nothing alive there, and it can't live because it has no outlet. You have to have an outlet. In order for you to truly live, grow in Christ, you must be giving back. You must be serving in some area of mission. See, Jesus called the disciples, told them to do three things, preach, teach, and heal. And heal. Heal. When you start to serve, you begin the healing process in someone else's spiritual journey. See, there's power in that. See, there are so many hurting people. There's hurting people in here today. There's so many hurting people. But there's so many hurting people in our world. There's so many people in our culture and our community that don't have any hope. And we've been called to be people who are healers. People bring healing to our generation. See, spiritual growth is not automatic. You just don't fall out of the truck and then it happens. There was a guy, we started our church Easter Sunday, 1999. There was a man that came to our church the very, very first service. His name was Sam. Now, that wasn't his real name. I didn't discover his real name. I don't, he still don't even know what his real, real name is. I think I do now. But, but he had multiple names that he went by. He had a kind of a mixed past. He lived kind of as a vagabond for a while. But he was a really, really, really interesting guy. He was about six foot eight, really tall. He could eat like a horse and never gain a pound. And when Sam came to City Church, the very first time I met him, he looked at me and he said, uh, I'm an atheist. I said, good, I'm Eugene Smith. You know, I mean, that was my introduction to Sam. He, he didn't want to be. His wife drugged him to church. She made him come that very first service, and he went along, and he sat there in the service. He'd have his arms giant of a guy. Even sitting in a chair, you could tell he was a big guy, and he would just sit there like this, and he would just look at me. I don't know if you ever if you just sit in a room and you're trying to talk and you're trying to engage and this guy just sitting like this. Ever just do that real quick? <laughs> All right, break that. Oh, no, no, don't do that. <laughs> it's awkward. You know, you're like, and there's only like 20 people in a 500-seat auditorium and one guy's sitting there like this. And So that was my first experience with Sam. And uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, we were in a movie theater and we had to set up and tear down every week and we needed some people to help setting up in the morning. And so I'd ask people to come and his wife nudged him and said, Sam, you're going to go help those people set up there on Sunday morning. So here's an atheist, doesn't believe in God, helping at 5 o'clock in the morning come every week to set up City Church. I knew the moment that happened, he was all done. <laughs> I knew he was history. I knew he was toast. We never judged him. We never argued with him. We never tried to debate theology. He was way smart. He had way bigger brain, and he was way smarter than me. And he read books that I still can't read today. I mean, he was a real, real smart guy. And, and over a period of time, Period of time, over the next several months, as we loved him, Sam became the most devoted follower of Christ. The most devoted follower of Christ. He was there at 5 o'clock. He was tithing, giving. His life was radically changed. You know what happened? He began to serve. Just did one thing. Just got there at church early. He said, I look around this congregation. There's a, a guy in the back that works the camera, and he produces the CDs and the DVDs. He uploads them up onto, up onto the, uh, to the uh, uh, website here at City Church. He's here every single week. 
every single time the doors open. He's here all three services. His name is David Oppenworth. He never misses a Sunday. Never misses it. He's here every single And I've watched these people as they've grown spiritually in their relationship with God. You don't grow until you start to give back. You don't grow until you start to give back. The last thing that happens in our life is that we receive the blessings of God. Everyone say, blessings of God. We receive the blessings of God. John chapter 12, verse 26. The Bible says, Anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor, honor anyone who serves me. Wow. Wow. A group of young people from City Church went out on uh, Friday night. They went out and ministered in our community. They gave out hot coffee or whatever they had to the, some of the homeless people in our community, prayed with people. And I saw the reports on Facebook as they were just, there was this thrill, there was this excitement. Yesterday there was a, do we have a picture of the guys that went yesterday to work in one of the houses here? Oh yeah, you got that right there. Can you put that up for me real quick? There was a bunch of our guys, our band of brother guys went out yesterday and they were serving and they went over to one of the seniors, uh, one of the generation plus uh, individuals in our house a mother and a daughter, and they went over there, and they, they cleaned the yard. And there's that group. Come on, give these guys a big hand. <laughs> they were, and you can never outgive God. There's something that happens internally. There's an there's a endorphin that's released in your brain when you start to serve that's only released one other time, and that's when a man and wife, a husband and a woman, come together in sexual intimacy. There's an endorphin that's released in your brain. It's the same endorphin that's released in your brain. That endorphin is the thing that causes you to feel happy, causes you to feel fulfilled. See, the blessings of God are love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, right? The blessings of God are the fruits of being in a relationship with Him. And we're most like Jesus when we do the things that Jesus did. The fact is, you don't really start to serve until you give to people who can never pay back. When you really start to serve, it's when you serve people for no other ulterior motive other than, other than to be a blessing, to be a servant. Jesus said, I did not come to serve. I did not come to be served, but I came to serve, and to give my life, to give my life as a ransom for many. That's our hero. That's our Savior. That's our King. And He's commanded us to serve blessings of God. The Bible says the blessings of the Lord make rich. Rich means just you feel content and he adds no sorrow to it. That's the blessings of Christ. Three ways that we serve today. Three ways. First of all, we serve joyfully. When we serve, we serve joyfully. Everyone say joyfully. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord with enthusiasm or enthusiastically. Joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. I walked into Costco the other day. We were buying some stuff for the church. My wife and I, and I was down at Costco, and I walked into the, into the restroom, and I was just whistling. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I got a whistling complex because my dad told me that I couldn't whistle as a kid, so I'm still practicing. I'm 50 years old, and I'm still practicing my whistling, you know. But I was walking through Costco, and I was whistling. When I got into the restroom, I realized I'm a happy guy. <laughs> I'm just happy. I, you, you can't be a sad, grumpy, angry, mean person and walk around your life whistling. Why? Because it just doesn't work. They, like two things don't go. Whistling and happiness, you know, they just, they don't go together. 
There's something about choice. You choose. Pastor Glenn, I love what he says about certain people that we're working with. Say they're a joy to work with. They're a joy. See, it, joy, it's choice. Circumstances don't. You watch that movie Happiness, and you'll see it's not based. They they go to the poorest places on the planet, and they show people that are truly happy. If you think it's stuff that makes you happy, if you think it's the perfect relationship, it'll never work that way. It never works that way. No joy is a choice. So we choose, when we work and we serve the Lord, we do it joyfully, not begrudgingly, not because the pastor asked me to. We do it because we do it because we love Jesus. And the joy of the Lord is your strength today. The second way that we serve is we serve with excellence. We serve with excellence. And all of our work, work the best you can. Here's the deal today. You might not be the best at what you're doing, but you can do your very best at what you're doing. I might not be the best preacher in America, but I can do the very best that I can do. Whatever your whatever your job is, whatever you're, you're called to do, you're called to do it with excellence. And when you serve in a local church and when you're part of the body of Christ, this day today, this serve Sunday, you have tables set up all over the place around here. And it's just, I mean, it is amazing. I went out there, it's like, I actually pulled in this morning, I was like, wow. There are so many people serving to make this weekend happen. Our stage. How many of you notice that we have a brand new stage? Come on, all right. Amen. Nice. You know, there were 25 people working here Friday and Saturday. Actually, started Thursday night. 25 people started Thursday night. They completely returned the stage around, do all the things that needed to happen, move screens, change stuff, all the stuff they needed, all the purchase equipment, and all the things that needed to happen to make it happen. 25 people to make one thing happen. Miranda, the young lady that leads worship here, plays the guitar. This morning, she was here Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Didn't go home for three days, just making this happen, working with excellence. Because she wants to create an atmosphere of excellence where the presence of God is welcome and where we can worship Jesus. When we work for God, we don't just get it done. We give our God our very best. We give God. You want to be promoted in your work? Do your job the best you can do. Third thing that happens, the third, the third that way that we're called to serve is to be faithful is to be faithful. Faithfulness just simply means keep showing up. It just means keep showing up. When you serve a church and you don't get a paycheck and you keep showing up, you know what you're demonstrating? You are demonstrating that you're truly a person of faith. It's called faithfulness. There was a guy that passed away this week on Thursday. If you put the picture of the one guy here, this guy passed away. His name is Hiro Onoda. Hiro Onoda. Hiro Onoda he died uh, on Thursday this past week. He was almost 91 years of age. Uh, he was the last person to surrender the Japanese Imperial Army against the United States of America. The last person to surrender. He surrendered 30 years after the war was finished. The Japanese generals, the Japanese leaders had surrendered. We'd bombed Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and even then they didn't want to, 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 uh, to uh, uh, surrender, but they finally did. Thirty years later, this guy was hiding in the jungle in the Philippines, still fighting the United States military, <laughs> all by himself. An army. Of, there was an army of one right there. Now, this guy's on the wrong side of history, right? But one of the things that he said, he said, listen, I will never surrender. I would rather die than surrender. He was so committed to the cause. He was so committed to the mission that he refused to give up. Finally, his commanding officer the one who led him back in the 1940s, had to go into the jungles where he was at and convince him to give up his sword. Thirty years later. 
<laughs> That's amazing. That's a faithful person. That's a person that has a sense of stick to it. Don't quit. Don't give up. When you're going through hell, don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. See, faithfulness is what produces faith in your life, and it causes you and enables you to have this trust and confidence. Who can find a faithful person? Who can find a faithful person? The Bible says we're called to be people of faith. People of faith means we're faithful to the purpose of God in our generation. The last person I want you to see is a picture of my mom. You know, the Bible says that David served God and his generation, and then he died. Boom, boom. What's like that? It's one of those phrases. The first time I read that, it just said, David served the purposes of God, and then he died. David served God and his generation. I mean, Mother Teresa, great example of servant, his selflessness. She served God and her generation, and she died. Martin Luther King had a message, a man with a ministry, to bring people together, to push the cause of integration, and and to push away from the tyranny of of abuse, of segregation, and racism in our culture. Served God and his generation, and he died. My mom was just a simple church lady. You are sitting here today because of her. Not just because she gave me birth. That's obvious. That's obvious. No, no, no. You're here today because my mom was a woman, not only of faith, but she was faithful. In the time that I can remember, my mom had one passion. That was to reach people for Jesus. My mother came. Her mother was Jewish, Jewish background, never grew up in the church, didn't know anything about God. My, my grandmother was, my grandparents were far from religious. They were not, not even agnostic, just nothing. They had no spirituality to their life. My mom one day heard the voice of God, like Abraham. She said, yes. Don't know how. Don't know how it happened. My mom, from the time she got saved and gave her life to Christ, she had one passion, and that was to see people come to Jesus. As a young boy come up, growing up, my mom would, would, I mean, we were always in church. We were drug babies. I told you that Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, we got drugged to church whether we wanted to go or not. She didn't give us an option. We were going, no matter what my dad did, where my dad was at, we were going to church. My mom would pick up people in our little community where we lived. She would bring the neighborhood children to church. We had an old 1963 Dodge pickup, sidestep pickup. It was the front part was blue, and she let me and my sisters paint. My dad let, me, let us paint the back part of it silver with spray, with spray paint. It's the ugliest truck. I can't believe that we actually did that today. Little kid, I remember, was out there spraying, you know, this truck. And she'd put chairs up in the back, and she would bring the neighborhood kids to church. She did that every single week. And you know, she kept bringing so many kids, and my dad gave her the car, and then she'd fill the car up, and the kids would trash out the car. So finally, my dad went to the church, and the church agreed to buy my mom a van. And they bought my mom a van so she could bring kids to church. She did this. I don't talk, I'm not talking about a flash in the pan. I'm not talking about one week, two week, three weeks. I'm talking one year, two year, three year, four year, five years, six years. No matter where my mom lived, seven years, she would always reach out into her community. The last 10 years of my mom's life, she contracted cancer, and it was very, very difficult, but she never quit. She never stopped. She kept doing it. She lived in an apartment complex. My father never made any money, always had a challenge. He was always broke, busted, and disgusted, and they lived in this apartment complex. And my mom started knocking on doors as soon as she moved in there, started inviting kids to church. Now the church had progressed. It was not just a van. Now they bought my mom a bus. It wasn't just one bus, but it was two buses. And that bus would run into those communities, and they would pick up kids every single week, every single week, Sunday morning. My mom had her own little route, and she would contact every single child. 
When she was healthy, she would go door to door. Every single Thursday, my mom would go out. She would knock on the door, and she would remind the kids what was happening on Sunday and invite them to come back and invite the parents to come. did it every single week. And finally, when cancer took over her body and she wasn't able to do it, she had to make phone calls. My sister, who's in this picture here, her name is Saperna. She's, she's, this is probably, my mom died in 1995, so this picture's probably taken 20 years ago or more. My sister told me, said, you know, mom, she was 16, 15 or 16 the day. She said, mom's so sick today. So she said, but, and I mean, she's sick, violently sick. She said, but she crawled out of her, little out of her deathbed. She went over to the phone and she called every single kid on her bus route. You know what that's called? Faithfulness. <laughs> that's called faithfulness. Not quit, not giving up, not surrender. That's what this life is about. That's what I'm about. I'm all in this thing. I've had many opportunities to quit, many opportunities. I've had my own personal struggles and church problems and all kinds of stuff. But I'm committed to the cross of Christ, and I'm committed to serving God in my generation, and then I'm going to die. And that's my challenge to you today, my challenge. We're all called different. I mean, we all have different commitment levels. I just want you today, if you're not serving in a local church, and if you're not serving in this local church, what a great place. There isn't a better place in all of this community for you to serve. I'm going to challenge you today to take your next step. These tables outside, they're set up so that you can check out the different ministries and opportunities. Pastor Glenn is going to come at this time, and he's going to conclude our service this morning. Amen. Thank you for that, Pastor.